Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, let's start the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bike Life Podcast. And I'm super excited to have Tristan and Belen. Belen, did I say that correctly? Yeah, Belen. Belen with us today. And the best part about this is that they are just about to release a new book or have released a new book called Bike Life. And so this is the Bike Life Podcast, and we're going to talk about Bike Life, the book. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi there. <laughs> so tell us, I think that the book has actually been published already, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it's been published uh, for now in a couple countries in Europe, and it's going worldwide by September 29th. So depending on when everyone's listening to this, it's already uh, out in stores and able to to come to to the doorstep. How exciting. And I loved it when I first got an email from you. You're like, hey, bike life, we're bike life, you're bike life, let's chat. And here we are. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, it's been a really exciting uh, project. I mean, well, the whole pandemic came through it. Uh, Fortunately, Mm -hmm. it made it through and eventually got published. It's been a long road. Uh, The book includes about uh, two years of bike travel. And we're so excited to get it out there because it also concludes a chapter for us in our our bike touring history. Mm. Sums it all up very nicely. And so far, we've had really nice responses from the the copies we've sold ourselves to social media and family and friends. Wonderful. So tell our listeners, what made you want to write this book? Well, I think mainly uh, the fact that we cycled together. So Belen has joined me uh, three years ago. I was cycling alone before that. And the fact that we were cycling together, we got lots of comments on already, lots of questions from other couples and people that uh, were, wanted to travel by bike. And uh, I think over time, because we were taking photos of our journey with no intent to make a book, but I guess it was in the back of our heads that we could do something with the photos eventually. We both love photography. And so uh, we, we decided to, to combine it into a book when the opportunity came along uh, through a publisher that, uh, that was interested in, in our story and getting it on paper. So maybe you can tell the story of how, how that Yeah, happened. but yeah, it was on our first trip in Norway. <laughs> we we were uh, cycling an evening. It uh, was the midnight sun there and somewhere close to midnight we weren't up a mountain and there was this one guy following us behind us and he was flying his drone and he had a camera so we we thought well he has to be a photographer so we went to talk to him and we actually recognized him we um, followed him already on Instagram we had a chat then he stayed with us for a while he gave us a lift through a tunnel we couldn't cycle through and uh, basically he was on his own journey, discovering different peaks of Europe, which eventually became a book for him. So when that was published, he was commissioned to find new stories. And he remembered these two cyclists. He had one crossed, once crossed in Norway and he uh, proposed us as a, as a new story to the publisher. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's now, crazy how yeah. how that can happen. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, especially that it happened at midnight while you were on a a bike tour. Like that's that's the beauty of what our community does and what we stand for and the result of being open to connect with other people. Absolutely. Yeah, so okay, so let's take it back a little bit more. Let's talk about your first tour through the US. Like let's let's talk about I mean, I, 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 I've heard this story and I love it so much that I want you to share. <laughs> yeah, well we're we're backing it up real far. This is 2014. So at this point, Belen and I didn't know each other yet. We hadn't met, but um yeah, I was in a in a point in my life where I was really trying to figure out what drove me and what what I wanted to do and also what my limits were. And I had seen this project of some guys uh, driving a rickshaw across northern India and, you know, doing it for charity. And I I found it all very exciting. And because I'm from the Netherlands uh, and my brother was equally interested in doing something together, we decided to do a bike tour from New York to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I somehow had a, a fascination with Los Angeles. And I decided to to do that project together with him to do it for a charity called the uh, Teenage Cancer Trust mm. and to collect money through the the tour. So it was I think 3000 kilometer, kilometers 5000 miles and yeah we we started together unfortunately my brother got into an accident because we were really underprepared we were wearing big backpacks and we had very cheap bicycles. Um so he eventually had to go back to the Netherlands but I continued on my own. And actually, warm showers was a, a really big deal for me in that tour because I discovered it uh, in, where was that, in Philly. And I don't exactly remember the name of the, the bike shop that we went to, a friend of mine and, and me that I was staying with there. Uh, but this guy ended up uh, recommending warm showers for my, my solo stretch of that U.S. tour. And so I stayed with lots of people. I met lots of lots of really fascinating couples and, and other cyclists and eventually ended up in L.A. after this pretty physically demanding tour through the summer heat. And I actually stayed with Ken Francis, who uh, I think was on the board of Warm Showers for a long time. Yeah, yeah, so, he was. And he's still a very active um, user. He's been a volunteer for many, many years. He's one of the OGs, I call it, of Warm Showers. Yeah. One of the original gangsters of Warm Showers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, <laughs> I, I love staying I loved staying with them. So, yeah, that, that was the, the first tour that I ever did. And when I came back to Europe, I decided that it, I, I loved the, the way of traveling. I just had missed a couple of things and I felt that I was underprepared on that tour. So Mm -hmm. I uh, bought a secondhand bike here in the Netherlands and I put some bags on it. Uh, I decided to take a camera along to document the trip that I was about to do, which was a, well, ended up being a two-year tour through Europe. And well, throughout, uh, let's see, no, uh, uh, yeah, just before that tour, Belen and I met. Yeah. And... I had never really cycled before. <laughs> so, yeah. So <laughs> it how took did about two years. How did you meet? Tell us the story. Uh, we met in Amsterdam uh, through a friend that we had in common, uh, thanks to Instagram. So we just crossed on the street one day and uh, I invited them over to, to my birthday party and that's how we connected. And immediately Tristan and I had this photography passion 
that even though mine was uh, architecture driven and his was landscape driven, we connected very well. And uh, I moved to London eventually and it took me two years while he was cycling through Europe to mentally prepare for this new adventure that we were going to have together. Mm. And yeah, it started as being a, a, a gap year. And yeah, now it's been three years later and I'm still traveling on my bicycle. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so were you guys able to work or, you know, Tristan, were you able to work during that time? Like was photography part of like how you were earning income? Right. So it's it's more complicated than that. I could say yes, but it's quite intricate to to figure out how to make a living while you're traveling by bicycle. I'm sure many of the people listening have some kind of interest in it or, or are actually trying. Uh, it's really hard. But what I what I did was basically I tried to always look at my spendings and always limit my spendings to keep on going, uh, as well as trying to uh, honor my passion as much as possible and try to find jobs wherever I could while staying on the road, because I, I did uh, decide for myself that I wanted to keep on traveling. I wanted to keep on moving rather than staying in a place and saving up money and then going again. So it was hard at times, but because of the way that I budgeted and the way that I found certain projects that gave me a little bit of a buffer, uh, and I also had some savings, I was able to make it through those two years uh, re relatively fine. And when Belen joined, it was actually, it, it became more official because one of her demands to me because of the fact that she was giving up her job and uh, like a really stable lifestyle in London was that we would uh, do our best to create as much as possible and to create as much opportunity as possible to make it uh, an actual job or to, to at least be able to make a living out of it. And I'm happy to say that right now, you know, two years later, it, it has uh, worked out, mm. uh, but it can be a bumpy road. It, it really depends on how you see traveling by bicycle and what you do it for. For us, right. we always say that also, you know, Bike Life, the book, it, it serves this this uh, ultimate goal that we want to get more people on bicycles. And anything that contributes to that, whether it's video or photo or in this case, book material, um, it's, it's very much driven towards that goal. So whatever makes us get there, whatever makes that possible, uh, we we chase after. So let's talk about why. Why like why is it important for you to you know expose more people to living a life by bicycle? Like why is that important? Yeah, well, even more than living a life by bicycle, the the commitment is just to get more people to ride their bikes, whether that is to the supermarket to go to their jobs or to go around the world. Um basically we uh, I, I can tell it for myself because I was never uh, born like in the Netherlands. Like bicycles are just things that you use on the weekend to go speedy on the roads in yeah. dressed in Lycra. You don't use it to commute, even though we have the best weather impossible possible in Spain. Um, but I did learn um, when I was living in the Netherlands and London that by I don't know, by just riding half an hour a day to my job, it became very fast, the best moment of the day because it's almost meditational, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it makes you so, so much aware of so many things that you don't see when you're in public transport or on your own car. Like you miss so many details, even uh, like whether it's uh, architecturally scale or human scale. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and and at the same time, uh, we're we're living in a in a time where lots lots is changing, and especially you know now with this whole pandemic going on, it's uh, bringing to light the the fragilities of everything that we do as humans. And I think in the in the bigger picture, the bicycle can be a a, a good representation of a way to go forward or to to move forward quite literally, because it uh, it is obviously more sustainable than uh, than driving your own car or. Uh, a caravan, for example, if you go on a holiday, uh, it uh, makes you healthy and it makes you work out. It's good for your mental state of being and your physical state of being. And at the same time, yeah, it does, in in my opinion, contribute to a better world where there's less uh, things being burned and less gases in the air and all that. And for the traveling side of things, I've, pretty much everyone we've spoken to that has traveled by bike for a period of maybe two weeks or more, has had some kind of life-changing experience out of it. So also for, you know, the making the decisions of your life or improving your relationship like with us or, um, you know, finding a new passion uh, or just uh, figuring out how to live on the very basics that bicycle touring confront you with, that all is so good for a kind of uh, self-building and, and making sure that you you grow as a person. The bicycle has to do with so many things and therefore we we just feel like promoting it is the right thing to do. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. I, I agree and I, I think that a lot of our listeners will agree and hopefully someone who's listening to this that hasn't done a, a longer bike tour will feel some sort of connection to the possible transformation that can occur. Um, so let's talk about challenges you faced. What have been some of the, of, of the harder parts of long tour um, long tour bicycling? I must say that my first days or weeks were horrible. And uh, well, I basically remember my first time I joined Tristan on a bike. I had never come to before. I had never really ridden further than 20 kilometers in my life. Uh, but I didn't want to train. I just wanted to start and just see what I, uh, and uh, I remember the first moment we got out of the city of Tromsø, there was a 20% climb and I started crying halfway. Yeah. yeah so then, uh, actually to, to give that a, a bit of background, we chose to cycle Norway because I, I had figured out that you could camp there uh, freely as they have this, uh, this kind of outside law that you can camp where you want. And that would enable Belen to choose how many kilometers she would do in a day uh, and then be able to say, I'm, we're done to, for today. Let's find a place to camp. But I was done pretty fast, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, so wait, we, we started to, off. Like, I have to ask, wait, Tristan, did you ask her to train in advance? Like, did you encourage her to like get yourself more prepared? And she just is like, nah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll with it. Or did you just allow her to kind of determine what that's going to look like? Uh, I honestly don't remember I what it was like did. before the journey. You I don't think I motivated you to no. train. We always defend that you just sit on the saddle and eventually you 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 warm up to it. And I think it's the best thing. Yeah. 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 So it, for, it, me, for me, it was tough the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So how many days <laughs> did you feel like that? Like, <laughs> I think it took two weeks in the end until I understood the you know the routine. I. Like, I, I, you you make yourself to the camping lifestyle and even to each other because uh, our relationship is not the same. Well, we, we came from a long-distance relationship to a 24-hour-together relationship. Mm. So uh, we also had to find the balance there. Tristan was very fast. I was very slow. So this is like typical couple issues. Um, but yeah, after that, we, we eventually found a balance between each other. And then I started loving the lifestyle. Yeah. 
And it's, it takes a while to figure out that balance because actually up until a year ago, we were still sometimes figuring it out. It's so diverse. All the experiences you have, it's uh, like what I was saying earlier, the fact that you can do it for a relationship building. It's very confronting to to cycle together and to discover each other's physical limits, but also go through things that you never actually think of when you're just living in a in a city or a village in your house and going to work. You don't think of what it's like if someone has to be or you know do something else all of yeah. a sudden and you have to accommodate that and try to find a good yeah. place or dig a hole or whatever and you have to share all those things together you know your your physical weaknesses maybe in the in the tent you you're together all the time and you can't shield from that mm-hmm. so it's a very raw and and sometimes confronting experience and for us i think it turned out to be a, a really really big learning curve in our relationship uh, yeah, we definitely learned to accustom to each other. Yeah, I love it. Do, do you guys talk about this in the book? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do talk a little bit about couple traveling and the the transformation throughout the trips. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a very important part. Yeah. Oh, for of. sure. And just for meeting you and spending some time with both of you, um, I can imagine that you guys have grown together because you have such a solid connection. And the fact that you're now, you know, publishing a book about it together tells me that you have you have experienced a lot. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by bikeflights.com a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. You want to you wanna tell about Norway, that, the night that's in the book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to know the bad stories, yeah. which everyone wants to know, <laughs> what was your worst day on the bicycle? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we still think this is the top number one. And it was also in Norway on this first trip. You know, I think at the beginning, you make more mistakes. And uh, as you travel more, you start seeing all the variables and things that could go wrong. So basically, we were cycling out of the city of Trondheim and we were just looking for a camp spot like every other night. And we found a nice uh, spot with a flat grass. There was a fire pit, there was a fence, uh, yeah, a bench. And there was a riverbed, which was empty, um, just a little stream far away. Well, we set up a tent, we had dinner, we went to sleep. And suddenly in the middle of the night. Yeah, two o'clock. I woke up and it was like, I I felt like I was sleeping on a waterbed. It was a really (laughs) weird experience. I could press the bottom of the tent down. You know how you you have that bathtub structure in your tent? And so it wasn't allowing any water in, but I could press the water down because we were lifting. The river had come up. And yeah, then I just freaked out. We woke up started gathering our things yeah, the water then the water came in. in and sat in the tent i couldn't find my phone 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> wow. eventually we, we got out and uh, we were just trying to figure out how much the, the damage had been. We went to a gas station to try to dry. A guy was very nice there and he helped us to 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 call and he took us in to right. so that we could dry our things. So yeah, after that night, we kept on having nightmares about uh, this moment for a long time and we couldn't put our tent next to any kind of water source for a very long time mm-hmm. because we we yeah we couldn't sleep. So why did why did why did all of a sudden the water rise in the river? Like yeah, how well, like it, it was a tidal river. It was a tidal river and there had uh, been storms in the mountains. So there was no rain where we were. Uh, so apparently there was a combination of both and it was a uh, bad luck. Yeah. It was so, something that happens usually. So when that's you're like a pitching flood. your tent yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. like a flood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When yeah. when you're pitching your tent next to a river, always check on Google Maps if you <laughs> if you if the river connects to the sea somehow. Because you oh. might want to back up your tent a little bit. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. that definitely sounds like it would be shocking. Um I can't imagine. I mean, unless you're choosing to like sleep on the river, that would be kind of a shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was one of your your most favorite experiences for each of you? Let's start with you, Belin. Um, I really liked our trip in Central Asia. I think in my case, it taught me a lot about humanity, if you can call it like that. When we arrived, um, you know, new country, we've never been to Asia before, cultural shock. And we come, well, we were mostly cycling in Europe before. And you have to be very careful in Europe where to live your bike, where you live your stuff, because things can get stolen. You're, you're, you're taught to have this vision of mistrust so we when we went to asia it was the same at the beginning and very very soon we realized that there was no danger there that no one seemed to like yeah everyone everyone was super yeah everyone was kind to us and it was generally kind and uh, generally interested in what we were doing and i remember this first week where uh, we were just sitting at a at a bus station and we were eating something and then a, a man came and he went to our bike directly and we were like oh like should we be scared should we run and basically he just grabbed it and stood next to it and he wanted us to take a picture of him with our bicycle wow so for me it was like wow like you don't have to be scared of people like people are gonna actually be very nice and then that's when we realized that we were in this very different culture and that we should understand yeah how how things work there and that yeah. we didn't have to be scared and we took the picture of this man, which is actually it made it to the book because it was very lovely. Right. And yeah, it just, I don't know, it gave me like faith in humanity again. It was a very enjoyable trip, that one in general. There's a lot of hospitality in Central Asia. Yeah, I love that. That's a wonderful story. How about you, Tristan? I, I think I'll continue on Central Asia. It, <laughs> it, was, it was an unforgettable trip. And um, on the part How- of hospitality... What what were you saying? I was going to say, how long? How long were you in Southern Asia? Like, tell us the details of the trip itself. So, well, to tell you a little backstory, actually, on how we decided to do that. When I was in Wales on my uh, two-year tour in Europe, um, I stayed with a warm shower host there called Daniel. um, And he presented a photo book to me of his journeys that he'd done by bicycle. And while the, the book opened, there was this picture of a massive mountain snow-capped peak uh, and yurts in front of it uh, on this golden you know grass bed by a lake and it was just astounding 
beauty to me. And I asked where it was. He said there was the Pamir Highway. I'd never heard of it. So it was a, a seed that he planted. And then eventually we decided to, to go there. So Central Asia, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan. It's south of Kazakhstan for the ones who don't know. And the Pamir Highway is this 1200 kilometer route that you can do over this really big mountain plateau, the, the Pamir Mountains. Uh, it's a very, very beautiful um, uh, road. And uh, we decided to go to Kyrgyzstan first and to do it towards Tajikistan. We didn't want to cycle through Kyrgyzstan at all. We just wanted to take the M41, uh, the highway basically to the Pamir Highway to get there as fast as possible. And someone in the hostel suggested that, uh, in Bishkek, suggested that we should see Kyrgyzstan to, you know, not be out of our mind and follow the highway. No, mm-hmm. you know, you, you should zigzag. And so we decided, we ended up doing that. Uh, it was two months in total, the whole trip. And I remember this one experience in Tajikistan uh, where we were, I think we were close to the Panj River, which borders with Afghanistan. It's part, uh, it's close to the Wakan Corridor. And we got invited by these kids on the street to, to come have a, a lunch. Uh, so we went to this house. We were pretty accustomed to the welcoming by that point because everyone always does it. There's always this chai, chai, you know, come drink tea with us mm. kind of thing. And these kids invite us and the mother comes out and then there's the mother of the mother uh, and this, I think, 101-year-old uh, lady who's just drinking her tea on this on this bed that they put outside. So the whole family, many generations, were just sitting there with us. Total language barrier, but... At the same time, they were we were just you know trying to explain and doing a bit with the translate uh, app on our phone, and the whole experience was again so you know continuing on the the, the genuine curiosity and how I don't know how nice it felt socially to just be there and be welcomed and uh, have to do nothing in return. They just mm-hmm. want to they just want to meet you and they just want to you know see you and and know where you're from. I found that really heartwarming. So Amazing. definitely at the top of the list. Amazing. Now, is that the is that the throughway that you went the backwards way so you could meet all of the cyclists yeah. traveling the throughway? <laughs> Tell us about that because that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it was, the intention wasn't to meet people. It was uh, basically it's it's very common that Europeans travel east to Asia because that's the continents that connect, and there is more or less the right season to do it. You should be crossing the Pamir Highway in the summer because otherwise it gets very harsh. The already in the summer the weather is pretty harsh and it can still snow in the summer. So there's this one two month window where all of the cyclists in general are crossing from Europe to into Asia and uh, yeah we just we just decided that uh, we would take a flight to Bishkek and just cycle the other way around just just we, we also have a habit of cycling the other way around yeah. we cycle the other way <laughs> but, around but there we don't do it on purpose I promise you it's just just by chance yeah. <laughs> but somehow we're always doing things the other way around we, we so. did it in Norway in yeah. Norway it was uncommon to go from north to south yes. we did it in the Pamir Highway we did it in the US we were going the wrong side of the winds yeah in the yeah. Pamir Highway we were climbing up the steep way and descending the non-steep way but well, but basically, it translated that in in the course of about three or four weeks, we crossed more than a hundred cyclists in in Tajikistan. Yeah, and it was so interesting to see how 
they would tell us like, oh, behind us, there's a group of friends. Uh, if you see them, uh, tell them hi. They were going to go yeah. to the next hostel, see them there. <laughs> yeah. Behind you, there's amazing. a Polish guy. Oh, and you'll also meet this Russian who's cycling. Oh, nice. and there's this guy with a guitar. He's coming up. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I love that part of the story because I can actually see you guys like just being the the passerbys and I'm sure you were friendly and and had the chance to at least say hello to people as you were passing by. I'm sure they loved it. Yeah, we could also give them tips on what they were going to find. We'll be like, oh, yeah, around the corner you'll find some water, then uh, you should uh, restock for about a day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. It's a a real hotspot for cyclists, the Pamir Highway. I would say that together with the Carretera Austral, which we haven't cycled yet, but probably will do at some point, I think you can experience the same kind of social levels when it comes to meeting cyclists. Mm. Those two places. Mm, Amazing. Well, your book sounds wonderful, and we are so grateful that you took the time to come on the show and talk about it, share your experiences. So let's tell our listeners how they can either pre-order or order your book. Yeah, so it's on Amazon. It's, uh, I think, pretty much worldwide. So you can just go to the Amazon website of your country or neighboring country and uh, search under Bike Life, and you'll, you should find it there. Uh, otherwise, on my website, which is tristanbogard.com, Bogard with B-O-G-A-A-R-D. You can go to the book tab and we're uh, collecting a list of email addresses uh, there by now to make sure that when we do um, a Christmas holiday uh, sale with a a nice signed copy, uh, you'll be hearing from us there. So that's a little extra. Wonderful. And how about um, give a shout out to your social media handles so people can follow you. Yeah, well, we, we keep on posting because we keep on cycling. We've never really stopped. Our yeah. last trip was in northern Spain, so we'll be posting a lot about that now. And uh, you can find us both on YouTube and on Instagram as Tristan Bogard and Bel Toscan. We will we will put a link to both of those in the show notes so it's easy for people to click and follow you. Well, thank you both again. We're really excited. Congratulations on the book and thank you for giving support to Warm Showers in your book. We appreciate you and um, keep us posted on how things go. Maybe we'll have you back and we'll talk about the next round of adventures and maybe a new book that you'll have one day. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. Wonderful. Thank you. And for those of you listening, whatever app you're listening on, please give us a rating and review because it helps us reach more people. Thank you for joining us and we will be back. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.